0: Hello, beautiful people. This is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Danielport. And thank you so much for following us. We really appreciate all the support. Uh, We love hearing from you guys and the questions that you've been submitting. uh, And we're happy to answer any questions that you have. Today, I think we're going to do something that's a little fun. And uh, what we are going to do, we're doing a series, which really is going to cover each decade and what, can, uh, what should and can be done for maintenance purposes and to improve the way we look. So uh, today, we have a, a very special guest, and we have a young woman that's in her 40s. And I think what we're going to do um, is kind of go over a, uh, a normal consultation. We're going to say as if you were presenting to the office what we as a group would ask you and kind of take you through the process so you know what to expect. Not everything has to be surgical. Um, so generally, I always say I like to start it off by saying that I love giving people options. There's good there's better and there's best. Usually best means surgical. Just because it's reproducible, we know what it's, you know, the the likely outcomes. Good is usually a mixture of Botox fillers and some of the non-invasives and better sometimes is a combination of the two or using some newer technologies and things like that. So um, sometimes uh, a particular patient will take me right down one path and say, look, I just want to look better. If that's the case, then we still give the options, but then I focus on those first two categories. Someone may say, look, I want to look as good as I possibly can. Well, then I know that we're eliminating at least the good category because to get the best results, we know that it'll be at least some surgical intervention, if not surgical plus using some of the newer technologies.
1: And there's, there's always that patient that comes in and says, okay what can I do to my face? And those in my opinion, or are, are, it, it's kind of sets up a battleground where we can tell you a million different things to do. It's always nice to have you come in and say, these are the things that bother me mm-hmm. because, you know, as plastic surgeons, we're trained to pick apart a face or a body because that's what we were trained to do. We were trained to tell you what was wrong and how to fix it. But generally speaking, we don't want to do that to everyone that comes into our office. We want you to tell us what bothers you because ultimately that's what we're here for. It's like you've come into our office and you're
0: shopping. We're not going to sell you something that you're not looking for. Well, Um, you you know, you're so right. I'll set the stage for that. Uh, I'll never forget our attending told us when we were going through training. He said that he was early in practice. A woman came to the office, very large nose and she said doctor what would you do for me so he started talking about how he would perform a rhinoplasty he'd refine the hump on top of her nose shorten it a little bit narrow it upturn make it a little upturn and cute and feminine and she said no 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 i'm here for my ears <laughs> and he said that. it was uh, that was an that. aha moment where he said I will not lead with uh, or answer that particular question because it's a loaded one when you ask a plastic surgeon. So and you remember you know, the famous, you know, the, the famous
1: phrase from the show Nip Tuck. And it's tell me what you don't like about yourself. And it's <laughs> and it's, you know, and it's interesting because people come in and they, "Oh my god, I hate my face. What can you do?" And it's it's a loaded kind of comment and you can do a million different things, but like Dr. Lake is saying. Or something we don't see. Exactly.
0: Something that really bothers someone, but the 98% of the population can't can't even see it. So we have to put things in perspective. So Lainey, I think what we'll do is we'll start by asking, um, and I'll preface this by saying, I always love dividing the face into thirds. Eyes up eyes to mouth, mouth all the way down to the central part of the chest. And and it's such a, the, the bottom third is much larger because it is one of the most challenging, difficult, and one of the first signs of aging. Um, and so there are many more treatments that need to be done for that area. So maybe we start by saying, good morning.
2: Good morning. <laughs> and
0: uh, you tell us what bothers you the most, and we'll give you options. Sure. Um and it doesn't necessarily have to be you per se. This is, what I want to do is kind of give a, an overview of anyone in their 40s. And it can be males too. It's things that we start to see. So when talking to your girlfriends or guy friends and they say, Ah oh, man, I look in the mirror, I don't recognize myself because of this. Mm-hmm. You tell me because you have great skin. And so not everybody has that. So, you know, uh, maybe we do more of a generic kind of, you know, w- what would bother the average person in their forties and then what we can do about it. You can,
1: you can also tell us if there's things that you've noticed over the last couple of years or Definitely. since you hit that number. I mean, there, these are all kind of arbitrary numbers each decade because people do age a little differently and it depends on sun exposure and your daily habits. And if you've gotten any type of treatments and how much skincare have you've used and what your genetic kind of makeup is. So a lot of it really matters of how you started. Um, a lot of people are, you know, look at someone and say, oh my God, you look so great. What have you done? And sometimes they don't do anything. They were just born that way. Um, Super agers. It's true. And, mm-hmm. and, and you can actually be like, You know, ever since I had 40, I saw this happen, or my brows are a little lower, or the corners of my mouth start kind of turning down. Again, each person's different, but you can also tell us those, and we can kind of tell you how we can counteract those. Sure.
2: So I'm about to be 47, never had any work done, um, but I definitely am interested to see. Number one is sort of the drooping of the eyes. I feel Mm -hmm. like my eyes are getting smaller. And then the crow's feet here. Uh, what can we do about that? Maybe a little bit of the...
0: The under eye under area. area. Under sure. mm-hmm.
2: So there's that. Um, I got this weird discoloration. It's so a white... Like my skin has turned white.
0: hmm Pigmentation issues. And so, yeah. That's
2: a bizarre thing. And then I would say... I think all of us, once we're hitting the forties, you start to see that kind of like creepy business on your neck.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, of course I have this, you know, the thing between the brows, which.
0: Sure. We call them the 11s yes. you know, from frowning yes. or from, from really focusing. Um, so listen, these are great starting points. Um, you know, maybe I'll, I'll start with the top. You, you can work here in the middle. We can add from there, but, um, when we look at the position of the brow, you know, it's so common for people to say, my eyes are getting smaller. They used to be my best attribute. And once we start to get into our 40s, we notice that the aperture, or the opening of the eye becomes smaller. The reason for this, now we have multiple ligaments that attach. So by the corner of the eye, the corner of the nose, the corner of the jawline, and um, the, we essentially lose bone. Uh, as we age, so imagine the eye socket getting bigger, so now the eyeball seems smaller because it's a little sunken in and what happens the brow tends to fall a little bit um, you know it's almost like you can imagine a, a one of those sumo suits and you slowly deflate it what happens is the outer aspects slowly deflate whereas the central portion stays exactly the same and that's how we age. The central portion of the face stays the same. We have ligaments that hold things into position. And then we age almost, uh, you know, depending on the side, a clockwise and counterclockwise aspect where uh, we have that descent or atrophy. So when we're talking about the brow, so I'll say good, better, best. Good is really Botox. It's one of the best drugs that we have. And honestly, even with surgery, it will never obviate the need for Botox. I really think that Botox is one of those things that, you know, you start it at the appropriate time and you continue it throughout your life and uh, you'll definitely look younger. There's no doubt. But one thing the Botox does, it, that Botox does, we can interplay the musculature the, or the actions of the muscles. So we have muscles that depress or drop the forehead, and we have muscles that raise the forehead. We can use these to our advantage. So knowing the anatomy and physiology of these muscles, um, we can really help change the overall position of the brow. The other thing that I would say is as we age, the brows become thinner. Or who knows? Maybe you plucked the heck out of them uh, back in the 90s, and, and they're not really growing back, but the idea is we want thicker, fuller brows. And that's why microblading and all these things became very popular. So I do think that using some type of brow serum, I know that uh, we have a thick and full brow enhancing serum that uses a compound called Redensil, which tends to have twice the effect of minoxidil. Um, And so, and again, I'm just giving you one option, but there are some other brow boosters out there. But the idea is, you know, it's a very important aspect of the upper third of face if we look at better oh go ahead go no, ahead no, i was gonna i was gonna say what if the botox doesn't do enough and mm-hmm. what if
1: and and we just i mean he just operated on a 25-year-old girl who had brow ptosis that was significant enough for surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes Botox can do so much and people come in and they're like, I'm sick of coming in every three months. You know, you do a nice job with it, but then it then it gets back to its normal resting place and I don't like it. Can we do something about this being more permanent? Mm-hmm. And that's what you were gonna say, so perfect yeah,
0: interruption. Yeah, uh, no, listen, I think, you know, this is where we move into that category, uh, uh, the better category. This is where we talk about pdo threads and all those things that have been for me a little gimmicky um, you know and i've tried them before and i've seen the failures um you and you've know, taken
1: them out during a facelift definitely so some of these you know when you see it surgically and how these pdo threads stay forever and they're not in the right place and they're in multiple different planes and when you do a facelift and you see it when you blindly put in threads in someone's face you don't know where they're going who knows what they're catching on so public address announcement saying PDO threads PDO are not threads the way to go. are those
0: little barbed stitches that essentially what you do is you put them under the skin and then we hook upwards and it stays because it's tiny little barbed stitches. Um, you know, imagine it's like barbed wire and it's great when you're in repose, when you're not making an expression. But once you, you know, frown and you hear it snap or, you know, obviously it can't be thick as a rope because uh, you'll, you'll see it. it. And right. so it, can, it has to be nice and thin so you don't see it. But the problem is then it's not strong enough to hold, you know, facial musculature. So, um, as far as the better category, I would say that I would implement some type of radio frequency whether it's through microneedling, something called the Morpheus, or even Accutite. It's where it's uh, you know, a tiny little needle hole inserted under the skin and this little probe heats up the skin from the inside and you can get some skin tightening. This the company says up to 35%, which is significant. Best category obviously through small hidden incisions back in the hairline. We actually release what are called the orbital retaining ligaments. And so what we do is we pick up the entire aspect of the brow or outer brow for sure. And this is where the fox eye comes into play. That's where we're really changing the cant of the eye, meaning the angle. If you measure, uh, you know, from the inner to the outer aspect of the eye, sometimes more almond shape becomes more exotic. Uh, We can change not only the position of the brow but change that outer aspect of the eye because again it does fall as we age because the eye socket gets bigger um, you know and that's when we talk about removing some of the excess skin from the upper lids and really smoothing things out so if we say good Botox better using Botox and radio frequency best is using Botox, and, uh, and a surgical type of lift. We call it a temporal brow lift. And uh, I think that's uh, honestly the best options.
1: And, and interestingly, people will come in and say, well, isn't that a little too early? I'm 40 years old. You're going to tell me to do surgery on my brows? Well, like I said, there was a 25-year-old girl that came in. And there's never, there's never a distinct time to do something. People think they, oh, I'm too young to get Botox. Well, that's actually really not the truth because you want to do it at a younger age so you can prevent it. A lot of the things we'll talk about again today is how can we prevent some of these things so you don't need surgery? If we can prevent you from having really deep lines where you don't have to fill them or even keep your brows in a nice position, perhaps over time you won't need the surgical intervention as soon. But with that said, if you come in at 40 and your brows are in a position where you really don't like them and your mom had the same thing, your grandmother had the same thing, and it's just more of a hereditary thing, Get it done early and enjoy it. I always tell people, you don't want to do it when you're 75. You want to do it when you're early, early on, so you can really look vibrant and as good as you can for your age.
0: Mm -hmm. This is Dr. John Lakey at Forever Young. Hope you're enjoying the show. Dr. Daniel Poor and I will be back after a quick break.
2: So if you do a brow lift, can I keep the same shape in my eye or will I expect that? I will have that fox eye.
0: Thing. No, you definitely can. So, um, you know, using the fox eye, the fox eye technique really means that what we do is a, an extra pull on the outer aspect of the eye to create that exotic shape. It doesn't have to be done. In fact, we can do a temporal brow lift really on the outside and it picks up the outer aspect of the cheek and you can even simulate that when you pick up the outer aspect of the brow, you see how your cheek uh, area is lifted ever so slightly. And so really we can get a, an adequate lift from that. Uh, and so it can be an, a, a miraculous What's procedure.
2: recovery time on a brow lift?
0: Usually about five to seven days. So I usually keep people wrapped up a little bit because uh, there is some swelling. I try to help uh, alleviate some of that swelling. And what I don't want is for swelling to lessen the result. Sometimes you swell so much, you can snap stitches and do all kinds of things. So usually for about you know a week, even though people are feeling well enough after a few days, um, I usually leave that dressing on. Then when we take the dressing off, you see the position of the brows. Sometimes there's less movement than there would be normally just because we've bruised the muscles a little bit and the nerves that are in that area. And usually, you should see a final result in four to six weeks. That's really what. And you do I
2: have to keep coming back to you like every year, like a little tune-up?
0: <laughs> no, it's a great question. Usually, when we do something that's surgical, so you know, I'll take a step back. When we do something that's good, we know that you have to repeat it over and over and over and over. Better is similar, but less you know, frequent. Surgery is something that you want to do and have it last for for many years. So a brow lift, I would say, you know, on average, a facelift lasts 8 to 10 years, sometimes even longer. A brow is always one of those tricky things. If you are concurrently getting Botox, the brow lift will last much longer but um, I would say a brow on average is about five to seven years.
1: And, and the reason for that is people are thinking, well, what do you mean I'm going to do a, a, a procedure and then still have to get Botox? It's because you want to take away the action of those muscles that are pulling the brow down. Mm-hmm. So if you can do that, then everything is going to last a lot longer. Because you do, you have agonist and antagonist muscles. Some are pulling one way, some are pulling another way. And if you are a, a real experienced injector and you know really what to target, um, that brow lift can last. and, and, and I agree with Dr. Leakey. Most of the procedures that we do as plastic surgeons, especially um, where they have to do with some sort of lift, whether it's a facelift or a breast lift or any type of lift, normally the number we give is about 10 years. So some people longer, some people shorter, but 10 years is that magic number where you may need to have a little bit of a touch-up. May not doesn't have to be a full revision, but it may need a little tweak just to keep you because in the big And the big thing is, and why we're even discussing this and why each decade changes is you lose a little bit of collagen and elastin by 1% a year. And that makes, you know, every year. And as we get older, it compounds, if you really think about it. So everything tends to drop a little bit more and we want to keep up with it
0: definitely that's you know the reason why some people can get such longevity out of surgical procedures is because exactly that they do maintenance and uh, it doesn't mean surgical but that's when you go back to using some of the good and better things to help maintain if you continually lose collagen again it's like losing i've said it before you lose the reins of the horse everything starts to fall and so
2: Does a brow lift help the crow's eyes? That it, got over here?
0: Well, it does. So, you know, and listen, crow's feet are really a combination of things. It not only are little wrinkles that form because of the contraction of the muscle. So imagine squinting your eyes or if you're weightlifting and you're pushing really hard, you know, you get those wrinkles that eventually set on the outer aspect of the eye. The second reason is because the brow falls. And if the brow falls, there's a transition zone right there. So it gives one or two big lines with that we call lateral hooding. Um, And that's why the, the aperture opening of the eye tends to look smaller and smaller and smaller. So when we do lift that, it opens the aperture of the eye and smooths out the crow's feet. Now, it doesn't take away the mechanism of action of the muscle. So it's still going to contract and pull and pull and pull. That's where Botox becomes important.
1: And it's interesting because everyone's a little different. So when you talk about Botox and and when you want to start ideally in your 20s sometime, so you can really halt the progression of those lines. So those lines will not become worse over time. We'll just keep them at bay pretty much. Now, the amount of Botox we put in for each individual is really different. So some people have much stronger muscles. When you squint, you may not form really bad crow's feet, but when I do, it's much deeper. Men tend to have much stronger muscles, so you have to put a little bit more Botox. Um, generally the rule of thumb, and we did a whole podcast on Botox, so we're not gonna go into it too much, but it's every three months, every three to four months, and it all depends. Dr. Lakey needs it every month and a half because he blows through it, his metabolism's a little faster, whereas, For me, it lasts a lot longer. So each individual is very different. And I think going to a a practitioner that understands that and says, I'm gonna treat you differently than I'm gonna treat the next person is what's really important because we don't want everyone to look the same. (laughs) And we wanna treat whatever it is. Like I look at you right now, your right brow is a little higher than your left brow. And these things are, are, are subtle little nuances that needs to be picked out even with the administration of Botox. So when it's done, The right right eyebrow is the same as the left eyebrow, even if we're trying to pick it up slightly. So with the same thing you said before, with the upper third of the face, to treat the wrinkles in the middle or the crow's feet or even the forehead lines, honestly, the best way to go is Botox. Start early. There's nothing wrong with it. In your 20s, nothing's going to happen. It's not poison. We already discussed all this. And it will prevent the need to do something more significant, like use a filler, to actually fill those lines.
0: So, oh, no. now, yeah, now, you know, working down uh, to the mid aspect of the face. So, um, when, you know, one thing that you had mentioned is pigmentation changes. Um, very common, whether we have hyper or, you know, which is I more have both common
1: dark spots and, <laughs> and light
0: some spots. light spots. Very common. You know, it's really damage to the DNA. And what's happening is it's expressing a different level of. Melanin production. Now, uh, the other combination, you know, we've got. You think melasma, which is hormonally based uh, pigmentation, and then on top of it, we think about uh, rosacea, which is the red, tiny little capillaries that form almost in a you know mask-like appearance. Um, These are essentially different problems that need to be treated differently. Absolutely. So, let's say if we just speak pigmentation, I would say. Uh, you know one of the things that we can do um, you know again is we can look at evening out skin tone. so if we look at good um, obviously we want to put regular facials in there just because you want to keep the skin as clean as possible because uh, more breakouts that you have lead to inflammatory processes, and that leads to pigmentation inflammation equals hyperpigmentation.
2: what would you say is the good facial schedule
0: to? Uh, Listen, I would say if you could do one once a quarter, that would be phenomenal. You know, listen, some people can do them once a month. But if you could do it once a quarter, I think to keep, and then you maintain at home using an adequate skincare regimen. So let's say good is going to be your skincare regimen that's going to have really three things. And I've talked about these before. One, vitamin C serum. Whether it's in a cream form, oil form, whatever it is, uh, but vitamin C in its uh, in its form tends to brighten the skin and even out skin tone. Second thing, you want a decent moisturizer just to protect the skin. And last thing, a retinol type of solution at night um, because that will help cellular turnover. So that would be in the good category. Get you getting you on a uh, a good regimen. Let's say. You have a little more pigmentation um, staying in that same vein is when we start using things like uh, other brightening agents, kojic acid, some people will use uh, you know, hydroquinone. Um, you know, we use something that's called Triluma, which is a mixture of retinol, hydroquinone, and a little bit of a steroid. And that alone will help uh, even out the skin tone. If we move to the better category that's when we start talking about using, uh, you know, things that you have to repeat over and over. That's the PICO-4 laser. That is, uh, you know, something that is used to treat both the redness from rosacea as well as hyperpigment. Uh, sorry, uh, the, the redness from, um, from rosacea is really with an IPL, intense pulse light. But the PICO-4 can use, uh, you know, multiple different wavelengths to reduce not only redness, but also the dark pigmentation. The best category is going to be something that's obviously got a lot more downtime. And so that's when we start talking about using, uh, you know, croton oil peels, fractionated CO2 laser. These are all things that, you, listen, you, you look like you're in a house fire for a week. But the idea is that it resets the skin and then you can maintain it from there. So again good better best we slowly work our way up the the ladder as far as invasiveness and the amount of downtime but there are options uh, you know, again, if you if you have severe pigmentation and you just don't have the option for downtime, that's when you move back to the better category. And just know that if we use the Pico 4 laser, you're going to probably have to do it seven times, eight times. But it will reduce the pigmentation of the skin. And also remember what's causing it
1: for most people. So again, prevention is key. So everything that that Dr. Lakey will talk about how to treat it, I'll, I'll kind of say... If we prevent things, then we don't have to treat them. Now, some of these things, they are hormonally mediated and we can't do anything about. But the other thing is the sun. And if we use an adequate sunscreen from... When you're very young, I mean, this has got to be, in, and I know that parents really are obsessive with, with putting sunscreen on their, on their children and babies and kids. And, but once you get older, you're like laying out with baby oil on you. Now, things have changed over the years, but the reason for hyperpigmentation, the number one cause, is always sun exposure. So, with the, the proper skincare that Dr. Lakey's talking about, add a sunscreen. Always have one. Put one in your car. Take one with you wherever you go and continually reapply because once you get the sunspots, they're much harder to get rid of them. We hope you're enjoying this episode. If you'd like more information about our practice, you can check out our Instagram. It's plasticstocks P-L-A-S-T-I-X-D-O-C-S
0: on Instagram for more information. Dr. Daniel Poor and I will be back after a quick break. So the last thing that you kind of talked about was in the lower category. You know, the interesting part is that uh, when we look at what we call the perioral region, just the area around the mouth, it's so important, but imagine it's tethered. It doesn't move because it's tethered around where the teeth are, whereas the rest of the face falls around it. So even a facelift does not attack anything around the mouth. So this is where, um, you know, again... Good, better, best. Good, I would add a a decent lip plumper. You know something that's going to cause a tiny little bit of inflammation. I'm
2: wearing yours right now. love uh, it. All it right, the best. You boom. look great.
0: Yeah. Listen, I think you know it is one of the uh, the options uh, out there. Beverly Hills MD has a, a lip plumper, and um, you know the idea is there are several others out there. Some use you know bee venom and all kinds of things to help with inflammation. Ours uh, does not, but uh, you know you can choose which one works best for you. And it's but, much easier than getting your lips injected. <laughs> And that is a great option to help with some of the fine lines around the mouth. Better is when we add lip filler, and so that 's obviously minimally invasive. We add uh, along cupid 's bow sometimes we can even fill in some of the deeper lines, but in our forties usually they 're just starting to form so um, that you know I think best category that 's where we start using a combination tiny little bits of Botox along the upper lip and then I would do a CO2 laser because what we're really doing is you're blasting that skin and it does two things it really takes off some of the dusty layers of the skin and then it's almost like aerating a lawn it pokes holes in the lawn and grass grows this pokes microscopic holes into the skin and collagen grows so once you can thicken up that skin the entire uh, perioral region looks better so
2: what if you don't heal well i don't heal well so that sure last procedure sounded like i might not definitely
0: well that's when i would go back to something like you know again we move back to that better category which is the pico4 laser i can actually uh there's a fractional portion of the laser where i can resurface the skin and uh there's zero downtime you get a little red now again you have to repeat it when there is minimal downtime. You have to repeat it over and over and over. So, if you plan on doing ten of those, you know maybe you do it every two weeks for, uh, to, you know, for five weeks. Uh, sorry, maybe you do it every uh, two weeks, and you'll do that ten times. Um, the idea is that it will slowly resurface the area around the skin, and it'll give you a, a result that's you know uh, not necessarily comparable to a CO two laser, but it can be pretty close. And
1: one of the one of the big complaints is that the distance from where the bottom of the nose is to the lip has gotten longer,
2: mm-hmm. and that's
1: and that happens, and and, it, and it's something that happens with aging, and and that's why now a lot you hear this in the news a lot, and a lot a very kind of new in vogue procedure is something called the lip lift, um, and the lip lift is is basically putting an a scar inside underneath your nose, hidden in the crease of your nose, taking skin away to make that distance from your lip to the bottom of your nose shorter, but also having you have more lip show, so your lips are actually more pouty. Now, I don't do the procedure Dr. Lakey does. Um, it, it's it's fairly a, a, a common procedure nowadays, but it does leave a, a pretty big scar under the nose that sometimes, like you just said, if you don't heal well, that is a disaster. Mm -hmm. So there are other ways of kind of like Dr. Lakey said, and he just kind of, took it right out of my mouth. I like putting a little bit of, tiny little bit of Botox on the lip to have it flip up. It's called the lip flip and also putting a little bit of volume in because you lose volume at the same time. So using the, the Botox to kind of take away the muscle from pulling it and then adding a little filler to get rid of the wrinkles and puff up, just enough. Now we're not making your lips huge because that's again, not our style. And at least most of the people that come see us, but just giving you enough volume. So it looks your, your lips are more rejuvenated just because we lose volume. The other thing is hydration. And I'm going to just kind of bring that up is people don't realize we are made of water. Our bodies are really all water and we don't drink enough. So if you notice on days that you hydrate more, your lips will be plumper. Your skin will be more vibrant. You will be just in general feeling better. So the one thing I say is just hydrate, hydrate a lot as much as you can because the drier you are, the more you feel kind of like a raisin instead of a grape.
0: Mm-hmm. So maybe now we'll work down to the lower category. And you had mentioned earlier, you know, kind of the crepey skin of the neck. That's you're right. In in our forties, that's when we really start to see it, um, and it can be one of the first telltale signs of aging. And it's not necessarily that we get jowls in our 40s, although that can happen. Um, the idea is that the neck skin just appears thin and we have those horizontal lines that occur because we've flexed so many times. And, and sometimes that nice, clean jawline we used to have, now when we pull on the skin a little bit, you notice that it doesn't spring back as fast as it, it originally had. So good, better, best. Now, this is where good actually will have a minimally invasive component. And the reason why is because the neck is one of the most challenging areas on the face and there are little treatments uh, that actually work or few treatments that actually work. So I would go, if the good category, I would do something like the Morpheus, that's microneedling and radiofrequency. We do need some type of tissue trauma combined with heat, to tighten that skin. There's no other way that we're going to get, uh, you know, a great result. Obviously, um, you know, we think about skincare and using some, uh, you know, bio lifting type agents. Uh, You know, there are several skincare lines that have some of those. Um, But the idea is, you know, that tightens and it also has some active ingredients that will help long term. But really, the immediate f- effects are relatively temporary that 's why I think the good category you would start moving into doing uh, you know that microneedling. The better category that 's where we use uh, a little more minimally invasive technology uh, called FaceTite. Accutite and facetight are all radio frequency that, through small incisions, heat up the skin from the inside. That's where we can get up to a 30, 35% skin tightening. And it's pretty significant. Um, Best category for people who really, uh, you know, have premature aging and neck skin is crepey. And we see, you know, if you're relatively healthy and you can see your, what are called platysmal bands. Those are two sheet-like muscles that attach from the jawline down to the clavicle. Um, And sometimes they separate as we age. You see those two lines right down the middle. Botox is one of those things that can help those, but if it doesn't, then in that best category, we have to look at doing a neck lift. And uh, obviously mm-hmm. hidden incisions where we tie up those muscles like an internal corset centrally. And then from the outside, we really uh, through hidden incisions, uh, really tie up uh, or tighten some of the musculature from the outside, really recreating that jawline that we had when we were 25. Um, now, is it too young to do it in our 40s? Uh, You know, I would say the average age, believe it or not, for face and neck lift is probably 52. Um, and the youngest I've ever done is probably 45. And although not very common, some people age differently. And the idea is, you have to imagine, you are slowly losing collagen. Now, would you rather undergo a procedure when you've got as much collagen as you can, uh, or as you have, or do you wait till it's completely depleted and you have to pull as hard as you can? I, I You know, for me, I think I would rather go with something a little earlier so I, I can use the collagen that I have for longevity. And so, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, people always ask me, I, am I too young to undergo this procedure? Listen, an ethical board certified plastic surgeon will not operate on someone who doesn't need a procedure. But if most you of them. see most of, them, most of them. <laughs> ethical ethical, um, but if you do see that you you will achieve a, a you know a beneficial result, um you know then the patient becomes a candidate for it. So I would say in the beginning. If you can, any type of microneedling, um, you know, uh, it can really help tighten some of that skin. If we have a little more laxity, that's when we move to Accutite or Tight. And then obviously, if it's severe enough laxity or we really need to change something, that's when, uh, you know, the, the neck lift itself will help.
1: And, and one of the points he made that was great is, is Botox in the neck. Um, Botox in the neck is not something that, that's widely discussed, and it's not something that a lot of people really may, may, may even know what, what Botox in the neck is for, but one of the main complaints, people come in, they say, oh my God, look at these lines that I have. Vertical, not horizontal. Now, people talk about the horizontal lines because their neck goes basically gets bent and you see those. The vertical lines are like Dr. Lake, you just said, they're just a sheet like muscle that over time separates and they become platysmal bands. It is one of those just awful signs of aging that people just hate. Most of the time, it's in older people. Some people that have a very sculpted neck, you will see them earlier. Now, instead of having to do a major procedure because they don't have skin laxity, just by putting Botox in these muscles, it'll really decrease the appearance of them. And you can do that for years and years and years and avoid needing anything as long as the skin isn't lax. So it's a really good combination um, to discuss with your practitioner, whoever's injecting you. And if, if you have those bands, to just get, put a little Botox in there. Even if it's early on in your 30s, 40s, it'll prevent you needing something hopefully later on.
2: Does Botox help with the horizontal lines? The no? horizontal lines
1: are better, realistically, they're better to put micro filler, tiny amounts of filler in there. Even that to me, filling very small lines of the face. I am not a huge fan of. You can do it, and I've done it before, and I know Dr. Lakey has as well. It's always better to use some of the non-invasive treatments he's talking about, like microneedling or Morpheus, to produce some of your own collagen to fill those lines because it looks a lot more natural. Because if that filler looks obvious, it,
0: it doesn't look good, right? So. Sure, sometimes we even use what's called nanofat. We take mm-hmm. your own fat, process it, um, you know, through a special uh, little instrument. And then we inject underneath, and we use it for its stem cell regenerative uh, capabilities. And so that's something else that can help. But it's more of an adjunct w- along with either radio frequency or some type of tightening, lifting effect.
2: Okay. Is right. there anything else that you, you tell would recommend? Us. What else bothers well, you? No, that, I thought it was really interesting. I've looked at my face for 47 years-ish and I've never noticed that I had different levels of eyebrows.
0: Well, the interesting, yeah, the interesting part is that we're all two pieces that fuse in the center, and so each one of us, you know, we have this Vectra 3D imaging machine, and I can, the computer will split a line right down the middle, and it'll create two lefts and two rights, and it shows your, you know, where you're at, plus those two new images. You're three different people. I mean, it's amazing, and that's why the more symmetric we are, a lot of you know, those people become supermodels because we are drawn towards symmetry. That's all it is. My only
1: um, advice or comment to anyone that's listening is prevention is key. And Botox is prevention, okay? So number one, obviously stay out of the sun. We all love the sun. If you're going to go in the sun, wear sunscreen. Good skincare regimen like Dr. Lakey talked about is essential. Whatever brand you use, make sure at when you're in your 40s, Add a retinol. It's necessary. You need cellular turnover. What about retin A. Retin A is the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it is. So retinol, yeah. So retin A. You
2: needed a prescription. Accutane.
0: That's okay. different.
1: With retin A, with, and, Retin-A, with Retin-A, you need a prescription depending on the strength. Sure. So depending on the strength of the the retin A, um, you do need a, a, a prescription, uh, and it's you know.
2: But they do the same thing, ish.
1: Technically, um, you know, the higher the dose, the more, the stronger it is, obviously. Uh, it's just like any type of cream we can make, you know, when you compound it, if you make it stronger, it's going to have a little more effect. You're going to be, your face is going to be a little more red. You're going to peel a little bit more. So it comes with the downtime as well. Um, there are other types of cellular turnover creams, but really, Retin A. Type creams are the best, and obviously, Dr. Lakey talked about it. We use Triluma because we like to actually add a steroid in there as well to keep the swelling and redness down. So, when you use it in your daily regimen, it's not something that that you're going to be like, "Oh boy, I can't leave the house because my face is so red or I'm so dry." It is an excellent way to really keep your skin looking very vibrant. Um, so, adding that, having in my opinion, doing your Botox every three to four months um, with a practitioner that understands you. Some people like to be frozen. Some people like to have some movement. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you just want to halt the progression of aging. And then, like Dr. Lakey talked about again, throw in some facials. We like using a hydrafacial. There are estheticians that do their own facials. And these are ways to clean the face hydrate the face. Very important. Again, like I talked about before, hydration of the face is really as equally important as anything else. And then over time, adding something like a microneedling or a Morpheus, something that's going to increase collagen. So cellular turnover, increase collagen and prevent wrinkles and sunspots. And I think you're going to just go into your fifties and sixties looking as beautiful as you are.
2: Thank you.
0: Well, listen, I think, uh, you know, as a brief overview, you know, Dr. Daniel Poore had talked about using Botox, you know, we want appropriate skincare regimen, you know, and, and obviously for each of the decades, we had talked about maintenance and microneedling and things like that. Once we get into our forties, that's when we should start thinking about using some radiofrequency uh, because that's really going to help tighten some of the skin and force collagen uh, production. And later forties is when we start thinking of potential surgical procedures only because you have enough collagen where you will uh, achieve longevity using some of these procedures rather than waiting till you're 75 and undergoing it's a much more drastic change and uh sometimes it doesn't um last as long because we lack the collagen so uh, hopefully that was educational and, and thank you so much you know and
2: on the collagen do you think i should be starting some kind of a supplement with collagen or or
0: I always say uh, you know there is I always believe that by taking collagen certain types that it will only help your skin quality Um, there's there's limited data to show uh, that it actually improves collagen production however it's an extremely hard study to do in humans and so uh, you know there is one study that shows that the there appears to be a benefit, so for me, if there's a study that that's looking at positively uh, in that direction, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it. So I always recommend doing the, that. The beauty is there's no harm to it as well. So people people always ask, oh my god, if I if I take this
1: something, no, you can take collagen it's nothing is going to happen that's going to be harmful to you you may not see your skin get significantly tighter but again that's not the way it's supposed to work you're just trying to add a little bit so it boosts a little bit of your collagen in your body Mm -hmm.
0: all right well listen thank you for listening to us hopefully it was educational for you out there as well please uh hit the subscribe button and uh, feel free to email us with questions Once again, this is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payment Danielpour. You can listen to us on the
1: iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to your podcast. From iHeartRadio, Forever Young is a Cavalry Audio Golden Hippo production. We are produced by Brandon Morgan. Josh Windish does our editing and mixing.
0: Payment and I serve as executive producers along with Dana Brunetti and Keegan Rosenberger.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old.